0: G'day guys, how are we? Welcome to the Enhanced Archive Podcast. My name's Scott.
1: And I'm Robert. So let's get keen and let's get into some nerdy goodness. We felt like we need to share all of this with the world. We talk about this kind of stuff all the time. And hey, let's just jump into it. So today we're going to be talking about a little bit uh, of this concept by Brandon Sanderson, which is um, the difference between soft magic and hard magic. And as a brief overrun, soft magic is a lot less defined. It's where... Magic can do anything you want. It doesn't have any real clear limits.
0: Whereas hard magic tends to be ones that you know exactly what they can and what they can't do.
1: So a good example of soft magic would be something like Lord of the Rings where Gandalf has limits, but what he can and can't do is very vaguely defined.
0: And then with hard magic, it would be probably the perfect example for Malalchemist.
1: Yeah. They can
0: do a lot of really cool stuff, but there's clear rules and always, always must be obeyed.
1: It's always dictated... With the exception of your Philosopher's Stone, your um, yeah. equivalent exchange where it's a bit like um, a lot of the problems aren't solved by just waving your hand and having it happen is a lot more mm. thought out. And one of the good things about that is is your audience can very much see ahead of time and try and work out what they would do in that situation. Whereas with soft magic, you're, a lot more of your problems are caused or solved by if the person with that broad and undefined power is present or not well i know with me at least i find that with what a softer
0: magic i lean more towards harder magic because my opinion it makes the writer kind of work harder so they don't just have to think i can magic my way out of any situation they have to think before they write themselves into a corner
1: and i tend to agree but for me i think soft magic is something that is present a lot more Children's novel compared to adult fantasy and adult fantasy, as you're getting older, you're finding out more about the rules of the world. And so, things that break the rules of the real world and put in a new set is very appealing. So, um, something like Harry Potter or or uh Scott Argory Pleasant is a novel we both very much enjoy. Um, Mm. a lot of superhero stories, your X Men, your your uh, things like that tend to follow more of a hard magic setting, whereas your Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, those very much high fantasy classic children's tales don't have clear-defined limits. This happens because magic, or to quote The Simpsons, a wizard did it, whereas you have a lot more consequences to your actions in a harder magic system. Absolutely. See, I even find that with with
0: some series like Harry Potter, they, as much as they are a, a softer magic, I see them very much as a mix because with Harry Potter, especially, I'll use that as the example today. You can have a spell that will fix anything. I'm sure that there is. It's just a matter of if they know it, if they can perform the spell. I'm sure, you know, if Harry needs to, I don't know, make a dragon unable to fly, I'm sure there's a spell for that. I'm yeah. sure there is.
1: And then your limit comes from if they know it. But another thing to, to pull again from Harry Potter is what determines your talent as a wizard or witch is very vaguely defined like we know the that-
0: midichlorians naturally
1: yes <laughs> as you know captain kirk always said use the force harry Asha- yeah exactly exactly i'm sure so many people just want to stab us right
0: yep, now. yep so many people have just clicked off
1: but that's all right we digress we digress um we know that hermione is the brightest witch of her age we know she's intelligent we know she's capable but being intelligent and bright doesn't necessarily make you a powerful witch or wizard, and a great example of that is Credence from the new movies is incredibly powerful, but he doesn't know a whole lot. So what does or doesn't yeah, determine that is very vague, but then you have the rules of or you, at least earlier on in the series, you need your wand and need to know the spell to cast it to do something. But okay. what the range of spells are is very soft and then it's very open and there's a lot of things you
0: can do. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing. With Credence especially, it's just pure instinct it's emotion it's fear that's driving everything it's not a conscious thought and we see this as well in like like Robert said before uh, a series called Skull Pleasant that we've both been reading for a while we're both a little bit too obsessed with just a little Uh, bit yeah just a touch Uh, it
1: it may have been a big driving force to why we started this but um you know that's where we are but just to touch on Credence a minor spoiler alert for the Crimes of Grindelwald in five four three two one you've had your warning at the very end of that movie, he gets given a wand, never used it before, and flicks his wrist and shoots out a energy, I'm going to say, blast Fireball, that shatters yeah. a mountain. He's never learned to spell before in his life and is very much run on instinct. That's the first time we've seen something like that. You could call it nonverbal magic, but he doesn't know spells. So it feels a lot more raw. Well, we've instinct. seen like very
0: powerful witches and wizards, like you know Dumbledore. I don't think we've ever really seen him... So, you know, Expelliarmus. I think he just does it because he's but that power. When you get to a certain level, you can
1: just do it. I think the point is that the Credence
0: point. is just that
1: powerful that you can just go, screw it. Bang, goodbye, and, Mountain. And that, I'm sure, have you read the novels? I've read most of them. I think I stopped at book five. All right. Well, uh, a bit later, I'm not sure if it's book five or a bit past that they touch on the concept of nonverbal magic where you're more thinking the spell name. I think with Credence, rather than a particular spell name, he's thinking, you know, blow up the mountain. So rather than thinking you're Expelliarmus, you your Stupefies, it just kind of happens. And, and touching on Harry Potter a lot is easy because a lot of people have seen and read it. But going back towards what we were talking about before, with Scott got very pleasant. It has a very system that's in between soft and hard magic. So for a lot of it, it's very soft in terms of, magic can do just about anything, but it becomes a lot harder in, you have to choose a single discipline.
0: You're either an elemental, which means you can throw fireballs, push the air, control water, or, you know, control a little bit of the earth. The earth is weird. We'll get into that later. Or you can choose an adept magic, which is what they call it. Whereas, you know, it could be shooting energy beams or walking through walls. Or or, reading minds. Yeah, it could be any, pretty much anything else you think of. But once you've chosen one of them, you're kind of stuck. And there are very within, rare excuses. Within
1: reason. Like, yeah. um, there is a character named Tanith Lowe who her whole thing is she can run on walls and ceilings. Very cool. Not as powerful as, say, you know, throwing a fireball, but then she can also unlock any door she pleases unless it has a magical lock or use her power to make the door nearly impenetrable um, or very much resistant to attack. So, it... it is varied you can have a couple of things but you have one main thing
0: yeah and the main the real reason as to why tanith can do all these things is because when the books were being written in the first place the system of magic was a bit different as to what it is down the track but it was we see less defined. exactly right much less defined but i think excuse me we are seeing in kind of the later books <clears throat> that he's kind of going back to that a little with the um neoteric or esoteric
1: People who have magic that never learned yeah. it, they do it more by feel. And yeah, so, so the
0: excuse is they've, they've got the magic, but they're never told the rules, so they just make up their own. So there's a teleporter who can teleport without touching people, which normally you always have to be in contact.
1: And I think that comes back to a really fun uh, rule. I think It originated somewhere in, in Asia of the rules can't define you if you don't know them. So in terms of, say, that teleporter... He never knew. Oh, well, you have to be touching someone to teleport. So eventually, it just worked. Very much mind over matter kind of a thing. Exactly. Exactly right. But I feel like we need to touch on a bit more softer magic. We've talked a little bit about hard magic. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Narnia: The Chronicles of Narnia. Sure. Have you you seen? Have you read any of the books?
0: I've not read the books. I've seen the. I've seen the, have they made more than two movies. Uh, two or three. I th- I've seen two. I vaguely remember the second one.
1: So I'm going to touch on on the first book in the timeline. I don't think it was the first one written, called um, The Magician's Nephew. Sure. Or, uh, or Magician's Apprentice, something like that. And in that book, you get to see the creation of Narnia, where there's this empty white void, and Aslan the lion comes in, and he roars. And from that roar, from where he was, the world kind of expanded outwards. And so at that point, you get the feeling that aslan has the power to make worlds but then later on in the series he can turn statues back to life or he can he can do more or less what the plot demands and it comes back to what i was saying of some of the conflict and the tension comes from well he's not there right now or in the terms of creating the world that was a blank canvas there's no longer a blank canvas for him to just enforce his will on.
0: there's already rules that he himself may have set in place that could restrict him exactly. and his powers.
1: Exactly. Um, I feel
0: like Aslan may be a bit of a niche
1: he, he example a because allegory. he's essentially God. there. he, like, he is a Jesus allegory, yeah. and you know, rising from the dead and all
0: yeah. that. Yeah. Whereas compared to like, um, like Gandalf, Gandalf's not meant to have Un- powers of a god. He's not. He's uh,
1: from the lore beyond the the movies. He isn't. A man, he's a demigod. Yeah. So he has a lot of power. But you, you get what you get. What I mean? Yeah, it's um, not defined. Yeah. Um, back with the Aslan thing. Another uh, his foil, the White Witch, has terrible and dark magic. But you never really learn what it. You can learn what it can do. A lot of these soft magic, learn what it can do, but you never really see what it can't. And if you do, it's very vague. Like, well, she can't beat the magic of Aslan. All right, but what does that mean? Why not? Because she can't. Exactly. Like, or she's a just not as strong. It's they
0: can't raise the
1: dead. Why?
0: Because the plot doesn't really want them to.
1: Or even if it's say a very good character, it could be raising the dead is very evil in nature. You're perverting the natural course of life and death. Yeah. And even then, it's going to be a perverted version of that. Of once your soul is passed on to the other side, it's kind of
0: yeah a zombie or a wraith or some wretchling kind of thing. Yeah. Weird, decrepit. Limpy, gross thing.
1: Yeah, or, or again, back to Harry Potter, you've got the those things that attack Dumbledore and Harry when they go to get the locket out of the, the box. Yeah, I
0: have no idea what they're called. Uh, no they're idea. called
1: Inferi. And, okay. And that's where I was going with that is they, they are a form of undead. They aren't a person, but they are a creature that is a corpse resurrected. They're, they're kind of like zombies, but not really. Yeah. The, zombie, zombies. the zombies diet. <laughs> Speaking of zombies, if you want to view... So we are saying soft and hard magic, but it's not tied necessarily to magic. And I think I touched on that a bit before, but let's talk about zombies here. Zombies are a very fantastical concept. They're not very much grounded in reality, or at least they weren't until we discovered that ant fungus that makes zombies. It's a
0: weird kind of zombie though. Like it's not zombie yeah. as, as pop culture and as fiction and as science fiction would lead it as just you're well, walking uh, brains, brains.
1: Well, you can even take your whole soft versus hard rules and going, okay, so you've got the original zombies from Night of the Living Dead, the the Romero zombies. They are the living dead out of a grave and going at it. Whereas you have a lot of modern zombies where it could be a rage virus and things like that, and those are very set in their rules. Um, a very popular zombie medium was the Call of Duty zombies, which was big mm. for a long time. That's a lot softer in its system because you have zombies that can magically explode and the element that resurrects them can also give you a teleporter or weapons that shoot lightning whatever it might be the rules are a lot less clearly defined and that really is what the difference is between soft and hard
0: ironically when like in comparing to a video game i find that in a good portion of cases when you're looking at soft versus hard magic video games are hard magic because they have to stick you in this kind of section where it's like all right well because we need to know what the game's gonna do we need to say, yeah, you can shoot this lightning bolt, you can stab this guy, and you can throw this fireball. And it always does say a set amount of damage. Exactly right.
1: And, yeah, that's actually a really good example of hard magic, whereas for a lot of video games with magic or superpowers in them, in, say, cutscenes or the, the deepest story of the game of what they're potentially able to do. Yeah, like, uh, let's take God of War, for example. Kratos can't, you, you can't just one-shot an enemy unless you've got cheats on. But in the cutscenes, you know, you'll see him just ripping a head off of a guy, mm. and you know, killing gods, or even everyone needs a hobby. Yeah, or or even in some cases, like you could play a Superman game, you can't punch through a planet.
0: Well, yeah, there's a reason that Superman games aren't really a thing because there's no balancing that can really happen. Yeah. Superman's designed to beat everyone, unless you want to do a. He got shot with a kryptonite thing, now his powers are back to nothing. Or you throw another
1: equally absurd character.
0: Yeah, him. and we, neither of them are feasible or good or should be done. I hope they
1: are working on something. Well, like. actually, let's take Injustice as an example, because it's a game where you can play the Superman. Yeah, actually, that's that's fair. One of his um, super moves is, you know, throwing a guy into space and punching him down to the floor. You can't just do that without that, and that whole thing is kind of a cutscene. And superheroes, generally speaking, are very hard magic. But that is a good example of, well, you can do this, but the character or the concept is potentially this. Yes. Um, another really good example of, of introducing soft magic concepts into a hard magic thing is any kind of comic book or story that has set rules, and then you throw in a reality warper.
0: Yes, because they essentially say, hey, rules, piss off. Um, they say
1: that the rules are what I say they are now. Yeah.
0: Pretty much. Like, I don't know if you remember a little while ago I grabbed up a comic. It was Justice League 3000. Yes. And yeah, it was all about Justice League had been cloned into the future. So the personalities were a bit shifted. Their powers weren't quite the same. I really liked it. I thought it was a really cool take. It's very cool And take. it was a really cool take on a Flash. And we all
1: know I like the Flash. And I like Batman. He was just an
0: angry dick more so than usual.
1: I think for the longest time uh during... Primary school and the early parts of high school. Your nickname was Batman.
0: Yes, because I said it so often that everyone just went with it. Yeah,
1: that's, so
0: that's forcing a nickname to the extreme.
1: Yeah, um, definitely.
0: But with with this Justice League three thousand, there is a character that they have to try and beat, who is a, just a reality warper. And no matter how many times they go against her, it's all right. Well, if we do this, figure out this new plan to beat them. You know, this can't fail. As soon as she's clicked onto it, it's well, that doesn't work anymore. That's just not going to happen because she chooses it not to. So you have the combined effort of the Justice League and this team of super geniuses they're working with in the future, right, 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 plot stuff.
1: But a reality warper just says no. Another cool example of of reality warping, or rather the difference between different reality warpers, ones that you get to choose the rules and ones that bend them. Uh, It's Comics Explained or or Variant Comics or, or one of those shows to find the differences. You have people who... Uh, reality warpers versus matter manipulators. So matter manipulators can change a chair into a rock, into a person, but they can't make more out of nothing. Whereas mm. a reality warper can go, I'm just going to make this out of thin air. And now that
0: happens. Yeah.
1: So one of them treats the universe like a sandbox and is also very soft magic in their powers, but you know where their limit is. Whereas a reality warper is only limited by the character and, and to a lesser extent, the, the writer's imagination, what they can and can't do. Yes. Um, one of my favorite things is when you get two reality warpers to fight against each other because it's like, well, what really happens there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, then I
0: think it's just a matter of whose upper threshold is there. Well,
1: a, a bit more of a maybe a closer cultural touchstone for people who might not have read comics is uh, the new Marvel Avengers movie. Thanos with all of the stones is that soft magic of, well, I can just snap my fingers and now whatever I wanted to happen has happened. Whereas before that gauntlet, you see that he has to fist fight the Hulk. He has to. He's very limited by. Fist
0: everything. fight the Hulk. He demolishes the Hulk. <laughs> he yeah. makes the Hulk his bitch. Yes, yes, he does. Yes. But like you can even see on the fight on Titan, and just using the Avengers. Um, I think it's three or four stones at that point. Uh, three, I think it is. Yeah, because he has. Yeah, a, he doesn't have the. He has a, yeah, but he has the Soul Stone at that point, because Gamora's dead. Yes. And Star Wars ruins everything. (laughs) Star Wars
1: does ruin everything. Um,
0: But you can see his powers are very limited. You know, he can't just vanish Iron Man. He has to try and throw a moon at him. And, you know, he can't just snap and Doctor Strange's magic is gone. He has to fight him. Admittedly, awesome fight. Amazing fight.
1: In that particular example, when all six stones are together their power is greater than the sum of their parts, which touches on something which is a good rule for anything with soft magic is a lot of the time the issue isn't what it can do. It's about getting it. So let's say you have a single rock that lets you turn anything you want into reality. Your conflict doesn't come from what problem can't you solve with this rock, which I can touch on in a second, but it's more of what if this rock falls in the wrong hands? Can anyone be trusted with that much power? and then if you're say a writer your story becomes around getting this rock or keeping it away from certain people or and protecting as the, it. and as the reader exactly. that's where your tension comes from um, so the age
0: old question or the age old statement i should say absolute power corrupts absolutely so 100%. who can be trusted with this thing that can just turn dreams into reality well ultimately i don't think anyone unless you know in some stories it'll be the absolute symbol of of good and will only ever use it for nice things and flowers and sunshine.
1: Well, my favorite example of the person who can be trusted with that is the person who gets the stone and can do anything with it and then chooses to put it
0: down. Mm,
1: exactly. Because they either Philosopher's
0: know- stone logic from Harry Potter. Yeah. The only person who can have it is one who doesn't want to use it. If I'm remembering that correctly.
1: Yes. And the other thing which you can do with that kind of, say you have this magic rock that does anything, um, and a restriction you can put on it is everything you've changed or made stops being real when it falls out of your possession and that can cause a lot of tension of, let's say that your your main character's wife or love interest you find out was artificially created by maybe not the main character but say the main character's parent who had the rock and you realize there's this time limit to get it back because if it's gone for too long they are just going to fade away. Or, the rock can make anything real but it can't change how you actually feel on the inside. Hmm. Which sounds a bit cliche and squishy but it goes well if you're going to get the stone to make yourself happy it probably won't do that if you you want the stone to just fix all your problems because you're inherently unhappy inside it's not going to do that
0: well what could actually be another good example of um of soft magic is a movie i don't know if you guys have seen it um bruce almighty oh where yes bruce or jim carrey just gets the powers of morgan Freeman, um otherwise known as god no, 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 the only he gets the power re- of
1: Morgan Freeman's voice. Yeah.
0: One percent of his power. One percent.
1: Um, That's ten percent of Shaggy's power.
0: Yeah, there we are. There we go. That's that the name, only
1: one we will make. That reference is gonna be dated in about a month.
0: Yeah. <laughs> about a that week. Meme. About a week, I'll as give as soon it. as that
1: meme dies. Um
0: but yeah, so he can do anything go he pulls the moon closer and creates tidal waves and parts the clouds and everything. Like he does a bunch of amazing stuff, turns his beater into a Lamborghini, I think it is. You know? Yeah. Makes a monkey physically actually crawl out of a guy's ass from nowhere.
1: Ah, wrong movie. Wait, no, right no, movie. Oh, yeah, right movie. Right what are movie. you talking about? And that's a very similar scene to. Are you sure that's the right movie? Because I I'm feel sure it's that's very right similar to another Jim Carrey movie. Ace Ventura? The, no, The Mask. Ah, and yes. And he also gives <laughs> Godlike power. Yes. And um, yes. there's a scene where he. Oh, you're right, it is mm. Bruce Mighty, but there's a scene in The Mask. As an example of reality warping, let's call it. Yeah, where he yeah, makes much. a balloon uh, tiny yes. gun, and it turns into actually a real gun. shoots people. It turns into a real gun yeah. on a whim. Uh, what's up with Jim Carrey getting godlike power in movies? It's just how it should be to comedic effect.
0: Yes, but back to uh, back to Bruce Almighty, he can do anything. Like we've said, he can do anything he wants, except Alter free will. That is the only thing he can't... It ends up, obviously... I think he can't rewind time or he doesn't... Oh, that's not really said. It's just something he doesn't do because it's not that kind of movie. It
1: it effectively erases free will if you get to retry the outcome until you get... Yeah,
0: I think, like, naturally, but of course, because of decent writing, I'll say, that ends up being the only thing
1: he wants to do. It is get his wife back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like how, despite his unlimited, omnipotent power... His understanding of the universe is inherently also a restriction. Hmm. Like when he causes mass tidal waves and I think death in a lot of places by just bringing
0: the moon closer. Yeah, I feel like that should have definitely had more consequences than it did. Oh, I what? feel like definitely a lot more people should have died.
1: I mean, Earth's orbit, like in real life, anyway, Earth's orbit and everything is is not it's not as delicate as, as you know people who say that Earth if it was one meter either way it would be dead. No, but it's still very de- delicate. The balance of like. If you pull the moon closer even a little bit, it's just going to succumb to Earth's gravity and just slam right into it. i
0: when I was watching that the first time, I think it was... I can't remember how old I was. I was, I was pretty young. And I don't know why the first thing I thought of was is lassoing the moon in. That's going to hurt. <laughs> but
1: then you're... The counterpoint and the whole point of soft magic is it works because it does.
0: You yes. don't have to explain why... There doesn't have to be rhyme or reason to it.
1: It just is how it is. Well... On that whole, you don't have to explain why. In hard magic, you don't have to explain how it works. All you'll read it or, or audience needs to understand is that it does work and it has these rules about it. Mm. So you don't have to explain the source of your magic or
0: well in the Harry Potter books, is it ever even a talking point? Because you know, I'm not too familiar where with where magic the books. comes from. Yeah, is it ever even a talking point? I think
1: point? it's like a vague philosophy
0: rather than an actual thing. Because I know in like Skullduggery Pleasant, again hearkening back to Skullduggery. That's a very big point. It's a, a lot of the books are, you know, where does magic come from? Where does where does the soul reside? There's a whole creepy, creepy character.
1: That's, that's whole entire goal life is to, goal is
0: to find that. And then we end up visiting a different world where we find out he, he did. And that's, that's nice.
1: Now he's on to bigger and better things. So good for him. Um, can you imagine a world where you discover not only does the soul exist, you find exactly where it resides, and that's not the most groundbreaking thing to happen? Well, yeah. Uh, Sorry to just quickly change it, but I thought it might be worth going back to what I was talking about with soft and hard magic being made by Brandon Sanderson. And he made it along with uh, Sanderson's Three Laws, which we can talk about another time. But it was all about facilitating world building and making a magic system in any kind of fiction.
0: Okay. So I've actually not heard this before. This is actually
1: quite interesting. So... Um, it turns out that the whole terminology comes from soft and hard sciences and, and hard science fiction, hard fantasy, and then soft science fiction, which are always of just defining your two endpoints on, on a on a spectrum. And, and hard hard magic, like we've been saying, follows a set of rules, whereas as he defines it, soft magic doesn't have any clearly defined rules or limitations, and it gives a lot more ability to create a sense of wonder. Um, His three laws of magic, which are interesting enough, is, uh, and I'm going to read these verbatim, uh, an author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands that magic. His second law, which I think is why people like hard magic so much more, weaknesses and limitations are far more interesting than the powers themselves. And then the limitations and weaknesses and powers all worry about a matter of costs. And so it doesn't matter if I can throw a moon, what's the cost of that? And then his third law is instead of adding something new, it is always better to expand on what you already have because if you change one thing about any of it, it changes the implication on the world itself. Uh, there was a lovely Reddit post which went into this kind of thing and this guy decided that he was going to make a system of magic on the spot about cakes and eating cakes Gives you powers depending on what kind of cake you eat. And so okay. if you eat a square cake, you get this. A circle cake, you get that. And what the implications of the world? I was like, well, pastry chefs and, and cooks who bake are probably going to be really, respected, really respected. And um, the most powerful people in the world are the people who can make the best cakes. And every
0: and maybe dude, my mum would be powerful.
1: <laughs> well, he expanded further and goes, what if the the racism and sexism doesn't exist? But the discriminated class are diabetics who just can't eat cake or they'll die. So they're seen as a lesser form oh. of human. And if you want to balance it out, you just have diabetes be more common. And that's what this whole post was about. Nice. I'll have to find it later. We can credit him in the description. But it was really funny. And he goes, well, what if it's not just sugar? Because it's like, cool, so sugar gives you power. But what makes cake specific is maybe their shape and the way in which the sugar settles. And he went into this idea of what if the opposite of that was salt? And salt also gave you powers that were well, the opposite of what that kind of sugar-based cake would do. It was salt-based. Like a bizarro
0: powers. situation. Kind yeah. Of
1: thing. And all the diabetics rise up because of this master master cake maker who was the son of another master cake maker. But he was a diabetic who so was exiled. And this guy was like, hey, kid, have you tried using this black powder? You, you call it the white powder and the black powder. And you just imply it's salt and sugar. And all of the di- diabetics suddenly have all these salt-based powers that they can come in and and do. Assault them? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, you could say that. Uh, in order to farm all that salt, they just need to go into any kind of uh, video game tournament or Fortnite with a bunch of twelve-year-olds and just harness the salt from there.
0: Oh god, no! Very, That's going to be more dated than the other one. Very few games have shown me more salt than For Honor. Do you remember For Honor, where you I played as For Honor. a played as a knight, uh, a Viking, or a samurai? And we
1: probably sent so
0: Young going. Oh, you remember For Honor? Yeah, but it it was it came and went so fast though. It, did. it was it was so hyped and you know, everyone was so keen. For it it looked awesome, and then it came out and it was cool for about a couple weeks, a month maybe. And it died. I tried. No, I actually man. tried it again.
1: No offense to the people who still love and play For Honor. Mad respect to you. They're good, man. They are nuts. But I tried playing it again. The skill cap they... just kept going. Yeah, I, I tried playing. I was alright. It. I wasn't you know great or anything, but mm. I was decent enough to to. Do all right. and Could win a match or, or two. Yeah, you know, with a team of people. No, 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 no. Yeah. I felt... Have you ever seen a three-year-old
0: fight a full-grown man? It was crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, try to pat a dog and it's just too much pressure. Yeah. On, on, that. yeah, That was me trying to play that game.
0: Yeah, no, I remember. I, I tried a couple... Yeah, probably would have been a couple months ago. And yeah, it just... It didn't work. I'm like, yeah, I'll just block up and then, oh, wow, I'm dead already.
1: Wow. <laughs> well, that would be our limitations when it comes to video games. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, I, I could see Segway uh-huh. Man, to, to borrow an analogy from another podcast, Segway Man was on that hill. see see in him. the distance. I could see him coming. He was waving this flag. Um, speaking of limitations, would you agree with that, that what makes hard magic systems so interesting is the fact that they have limitations and they're very yeah. set? I like
0: what I like how it says about you know everything having that cost, which is pretty much exactly the rule. I, f- I feel the rule was either lifted from or lifted to, full metal alchemist. Yeah, because it's it exactly that. The first thing you see, pretty much in is, the intro,
1: is um, yeah. uh, alchemy, the law of equivalent exchange, not yeah. all powerful, and then the concept of what could equal the cost of a human soul and so on and so yeah. on. And then spoilers for like what episode one, of it. Yeah. Two or three when they go into what they did
0: with their mum? Yeah. If you haven't seen Full Metal Alchemist, watch it regardless. This Brotherhood,
1: watch Yeah, Brotherhood. Brotherhood, Brotherhood. Nothing wrong with the first one. Brotherhood is just, I feel, a overall better experience. Yeah. yeah, both are good. Yeah. You know? Like I'm not gonna yell at
0: you for watching one over the other, but like watch Brotherhood. Yeah. Um <laughs> They try and transmute their mother back to life, basically. Hashtag spoilers. It's old enough, you should have watched it. Um and basically they think that it's just, you know, the compounds of a human
1: body would be enough. Which is correct. They make a human body. Yes. But they also need to bring back their mum's soul and what equals the value of the soul. And that's where the soft magic part of it comes in. Uh, a Philosopher's Stone is, again, spoiler alert. Big spoiler alert, actually. Yeah, I'll, maybe, I'll give you a couple seconds to, to skip ahead. If you
0: don't want big spoilers for the whole manga series. series yeah,
1: um, Awesomeness. I think we've given you plenty of lead yeah, time to skip ahead, maybe five minutes. It's made of multiple human souls, and that lets you bypass equivalent exchange. A lot of human souls. Um, and, and I've had thoughts about this in the creator, probably didn't think this far into it. But the universe is essentially energy, and in theory, frequencies, with different subatomic particles effectively being frequencies and channels for energy. So the amount of energy that a human soul has lets you just do whatever you like with that equivalent exchange by turning that raw energy of a human soul into the thing that you want. Mm. Which is fine. But even then alchemy still has limitations. Like you can't you still can't bring back the dead. Yeah. Kind of. there's when um, Alphonse's soul goes back to the to the room of truth or the door of truth. That's different to death. He wasn't though, quite like, dead. Like yeah. he should be dead but he's not. But um it's kind of a bit of plot. Yeah, yeah. like they couldn't have brought their yeah. mum back. And and more importantly even when they have their hands on a philosopher's stone, pardon me there, they've learnt the lesson that it's not worth attempting to do. Even if they could do it, they wouldn't try. Yeah, you want to lose another two limbs and another body? <laughs> like... Even if there was no consequences, like um, Edward at the very end has the option to use, th- I think it's two or three different philosopher's stones presented to him, one of which is his dad, to just bring back his brother and get his arm and legs back For effectively no cost to him, but he doesn't see it as worthwhile. So he goes and he gives up something, in theory, far more valuable. That I am not going to spoil because it's really cool. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely more valuable.
1: Absolutely. Because in his mind, the human souls, whether they're in a Philosopher's Stone or a person, it's why he doesn't kill anyone the entire series, doesn't murder anyone. Mm. That's more valuable. Even if it can be equivalent to this, it's still more valuable. Yeah, That's a human life. Well, that's the thing.
0: Even what they bring back in their basement or their attic that day, I don't know. Alphonse's soul is
1: in that. They they say that Alphonse was looking at Edward. Really? I think you might have forgotten that part. Because I know the body wasn't even wasn't even the same body. It, it wasn't, but there is a thing with Ed, uh, Alphonse remembering what happened and he's looking at Edward. His oh, soul shit. was transmuted into that body. No shit. Yeah. And then when
0: Edward puts the symbol on the suit of armor, it moves it from the body it.
1: into... Okay, yeah. I didn't know. I must have... He starts to black out and die immediately because been... the body was so mangy. Well, yeah. I think we are digressing again. Ah, uh, slightly. Uh, <laughs> 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 um,
0: Hopefully but, you guys will be all right with our random tangents and, and trail-offs. Yeah, It's just kind exactly. of how we, we do it.
1: Hey, well, It feels a little bit more natural for, for it us. It does a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but... Back to to the main point of of hard magics and and the costs and things. They are not necessarily more interesting, but you can build a world off of a hard magic system. You can't necessarily build a world anywhere near as easily off of a soft magic system. And and obviously everything's going to fall somewhere in between. They're just your your north and south of of it. Of course, of course. Um, a, A really good example of that is one that we haven't mentioned and also worth saying that we say magic but it can apply to superpowers or or any kind of abilities that are not normal or even
0: yeah. Alien physiology
1: absolutely counts 100 you know, Saiyans
0: Kryptonians Martians oh yes no, whatever you want Kralitians I think that's, a, whatever the that's hell a young justice thing
1: whatever the hell Mr. Um, Migs of Spitlick or I'm sure uh, I've but- butchered that. That's fourth dimension, isn't it's it? It's still a being. Yeah. And a race. Yeah. Um, this is all applies to this. Enhanced it's like, uh,
0: capabilities, we should probably...
1: Well, but yeah. We're, we're saying magic is a shorthand. I mean, soft and hard magic as concepts, like I said before, were based on the concept of hard and soft, sci- 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 hard and soft sci-fi. So, yeah, it all kind of links into itself. But um, in, in terms of taking magic very loosely as any kind of enhanced ability... Um, Avatar the Last Airbender And by yeah. extension, uh the <coughs> inferior Legend oh, of Korra. Oh,
0: he's shooting. He's shooting. Uh
1: for those of you who don't know, uh I, I definitely preferred The Last Airbender, whereas my co-host Scott here very much is a very big fan of Legend of Korra. Now that's not to say that
0: we don't both like the other one. I think we can both appreciate oh, they're, they're both, both really, really, really good. Yeah. Just I think that little bit of a difference in our personalities and what we prefer, does really
1: shine through. Uh, I am a fan of good storytelling. And not to say that... <laughs> I'm a fan of pretty girls. Uh- <laughs> I'm a fan of lesbian girls. No, I'm kidding. Um, hey, not to the last episode. <laughs>
0: but anyway, um, I'm a, let's be real. It's Bolin the- and Varric. It's Bolin and Varric. I'll, I'll,
1: I'll pay that. Yeah, yeah, you will. I'll pay that. No, uh, not to say that Core doesn't have as good storytelling, but it retcons some things and adds to the world things that I don't think should have or could have been touched. Um, if you're listening to this, you know we're going to be spoiling stuff. Uh, before I get into more about the the whole system of bending in that. which Again, is- I feel
0: like it's been out long enough that... I feel like there's like a three-year time period. If you're not caught up in three years, you deserve whatever you get.
1: I mean, like I still haven't seen Game of Thrones. I know, kill me, sue me, whatever. See, but, but I, I tried. I couldn't
0: get into it. But I see, really at least, you at least
1: tried. I haven't seen any of it at all. And- i a book
0: at home if you want it. <laughs>
1: Actually, yeah, but um, I don't mind if people spoil it for me. And I was getting spoiled as it came out because you know it's just my fault for not jumping on that train. But with, with Legend of Korra, they the, probably the softest thing in that universe is the whole concept of the Avatar State and how it jumps from person to person. It was very unknown, and it might have just been me. But through that first series, through the first couple of books of, of the first series, I thought it was implied that. The previous Avatar was alive when Aang was born, but no, he was no. already dead, and that's fine.
0: It's meant to be like as they die, Aang is being born.
1: Yes, but, that's but how what, what makes the Avatar the Avatar was, yeah, they can bend all four elements, but why they could wasn't really explained. No, and then it's Aang... their
0: ability to vanish when people needed the most.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Whereas in, in Korra, they explain it with, uh, is it Vati and... Uh, yeah.
0: Rava? Oh, Rava and Vatu.
1: Rava and Vatu. Yeah,
0: and that uh, one would get all the powers yeah, from the ancient turtle thing, But, but and,
1: more specifically, yeah. this other spirit that would find a new host body. And that's fine. But it, it felt like it ruined a little bit of the... Uh, to To borrow an example... Um, from from the Wizard of Oz, it was revealing the man behind the curtain. Yeah, it was like cool, and then parts of it felt like it, it unnecessarily changed things that were fine how they were, and maybe that's just the old man i me. Mean, like you know, kids changing everything these days, but <laughs> whippersnappers. Yeah, whippersnappers. You know, just...
0: I feel like again, that's kind of why I like it. I liked it more than Last well, but because I much, much, much prefer knowing how everything works and why everything works exactly as it does. You're a
1: damn liar. You said it before. It was Bolin and Varric. Because <laughs> I know how they
0: work. I know exactly what happens, except for that plot twist at the end of book three
1: for Bolin. Mind equals blown. I love it. I will give Cora this. Metal bending police officers are awesome. Yes. Magma bending is amazing. Yes. Flying for a bending, the reason why it's stupid, but it's amazing. Yeah. But more importantly than all of that, more importantly than all of that, what it gave us was angry, grumpy, tough as an old woman.
0: Yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing. And calling Cora blind compared to her. That was gold.
1: Yeah. Not really coming back from that one. No, no. You'd, you'd die
0: that now, day. Back to
1: this. <laughs> we keep progressing. <laughs> Because these are obviously things that we both very much love and enjoy, uh, irrelevant to our criticisms of it uh, briefly. We will say that uh, when it comes to things we like, we love picking it apart and tearing it down. Yes, just
0: no matter how much we criticize something, do not take that as a, well, I guess they hate it. Like our favorite, I know my favorite book series, at least, is Skull Dog Replay. I'm not 100% I'm not it. Oh, 100%. Not, yeah. But we will tear it to shreds. We will point out every plot hole, every inconsistency, every character for every everything that there is
1: but that's where the discussion lies really because exactly you get right. to fill it in uh another really good example of that is we went and saw justice league when it came out. <laughs> it is a terrible it's a bad movie, it's movie. A bad movie but i'll be damned if i didn't love the shit I, out I, of it i, I fucking enjoyed it i really enjoyed it granted better movies i do enjoy more but I'll be damned if I didn't love the crap out of watching that the first time. The second time, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah this is starting it's, on me. It's one of
0: those movies, the more you... and Like, even... Like, I've only ever seen it once. Yeah. But I'm kind of like... I'm thinking about it in my head. The more I think about it, I'm like, all oh, right, that scene, maybe not quite as cool as I first thought. Yeah. That final fight, not quite as dynamic as I first
1: thought. My biggest criticism of the movie, apart from the many flaws that everyone <laughs> else has already picked out... <laughs> No flaws. Superman should not have been the be-all and end-all solution to their problem. And he wasn't, but uh, we don't have a chance without Superman. Yeah, but he kind of was, because they
0: were getting wrecked by Steppenwolf. Superman rocks out and just bitch slaps into into the next century.
1: I'm saying that they should have, and they kind of did individually fight Steppenwolf and parademons and things like that. And then having them come together as a team is what's important. I would have preferred if, Batman can bring them together, but he can't get them to run as a cohesive unit. That's not the kind of character he is in those movies, but the presence of Superman and what he represents is what ties them together. And that additional boost of power levels the playing field with Steppenwolf instead of it's like, Oh cool. We can all come together and fight. But Superman's the only one that can really go toe to toe with him. Well, that's the thing. I get I... It, but that's the thing that graded on me the most. Yeah. Well, see
0: with me in this movie, what I thought it was meant to be is essentially a big neon sign to me saying, this Justice League can fight Darkseid. Because we know he's on the way. I do not think that I think that Superman could be able to fight that version of Darkseid. I'm sure he's not even nearly as strong as he should be.
1: But that Justice League is going to get bitch slapped and just going to die. An interesting point. A lot of people have been saying that uh, the Seven aren't there yet, so it's not a real Justice League. But we're digressing again. Back to the point. It's called Justice League. <laughs> we, we've been talking about this from... You know, too long, nearly too long. eight minutes, and we still haven't got to my point. Right, <laughs> um, bending. The rules are defined. Right, avatar. firebenders do this, airbenders do this, <laughs> yes. earth benders do that, water do that, and then the avatar can do what all of them can do, within reason. And then some. And then some. Uh, for example, let's use Korra. She can do all four bending techniques, but she can't do magma bending. But she can do metal bending. See, I think she could do magma bending if she learnt. If she learnt, sure, but but she not For the purpose of the for series, the purpose, she, we don't see her do it, so she can't. But back, back to just the core of bending, their limits are very clearly defined. A firebender can't make a wall of fire big enough to va- evaporate an ocean. Sozin's common excluded. Yeah, with the exception of that. An earthbender can't just lift a continent. A team of them? Sure. But you get a you team of them, sure. But you get to see the difference between weak benders and strong benders, and you understand a lot of the hard limits against that. Compare that to... Let's take Dungeons and Dragons or any high fantasy setting. You have a pyromancer, a fire mage. What can that fire mage do? Shit, at a certain level, he's gonna summon a sun. Like there is no real upper limit to that. Yeah. He is defined as far as he's a fire mage, but the limits of that are really up to your imagination. Whereas a firebender, it's it's much more restrained and refined. And it makes conflicts more interesting. Mm. Uh, A good example of that is when the sun gets eclipsed and the firebenders just can't bend and they get overrun. And the ones that don't have to use their heads and think their way through situations. Naturally, yes. Headbutts. Nobody wins with a headbutt.
0: Everyone wins with a headbutt.
1: (laughs) Everyone not involved in the headbutt wins with the headbutt. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. But that's a really good example of that kind of thing. and dungeons and dragons has been around for a long i know this is the first time we really jumped into it but as far as just magic and magical in general is concerned it's been around for since at least the 80s mm. maybe a bit older than that and it has persisted till today uh through various different editions and formats things like critical role bring it back to a lot of popular popularity but in terms of It is soft magic to its extreme. You can learn a spell called Wish that just does whatever you like. Yeah. You have to get to that power and the restrictions you have to level up and all that kind of stuff. But in the lore, and this is the case for a lot of things, in the lore, you can do anything. And even then with Dungeons & Dragons, all of the spell list by the people who made the game is stated as being, these are just the most well-known spells. If you want to go and make your own, Sure, try and balance it with the rest of the system of, oh, I can summon a meteor. Don't make it a first level spell. (laughs) Um, Don't make it do 10 billion damage at level one. You you get the point. But literally anything is possible within the world. That world is a soft universe beyond its magic system because if I want to be a monk that can punch a god through the the sun, by 20th level, sure, you can do that. Yeah, there's not Not really
0: any upper threshold any limits to what you can do if you just when you hit max if you level, can dream it
1: you can do it only until you hit max level but even then there are in past editions anyway, yeah they'd
0: always be ways to so, get stronger yeah, always be ways in to past get
1: editions you can have prestige classes and level up higher but for, for the sake of simplicity fifth edition you really hit level 20 that's it and yeah. that's fine because it's a game so it does have its rules in that respect but its biggest limitation is your imagination and your ability to think through a solution. Yeah. So that is the softest hard magic thing I can think of because it's not really hard at
0: all. Wink, wink.
1: Um, yeah, I'm surprised that's the first time a joke like that's. Yeah, up. I know. I don't know why none of them
0: have popped into my head before, but I think all things considered, that was pretty. Well, if pretty we're going to be talking about hard
1: magic. Do you want to talk about the first thing that pops up? Hey, hey, hey. hey. Um, Oh, what? Um, I, I feel like um, D&D and its concept is a really good uh, segue into soft magics. Soft magics. Beautiful. Well, as far as soft
0: magics go... They don't turn into hard of, magics when they get excited. Well, some of them do, but that's irrelevant. Um, as far as soft magics go, I know up until you know we, we really started discussing this um, you know, outside of the podcast, obviously... I always viewed, you know, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter as the two main ones. And the more I kind of thought about it, the more honestly, I Harry realized. Harry more in the
1: middle. Exactly. It right. is exactly. a spectrum,
0: yeah. admittedly. Everything's a spectrum. Everyone's on a spectrum. Um, but, you know, Lord of the Rings is very much, you know, it's, your magic does what your magic does. Outside of that, I know I'm not very familiar with actually soft magic.
1: A good example of your magic does what your magic does is the ring of power turns you invisible. It also corrupts you, and, and you could make the argument that it's, you know, the ability to turn invisible is inherently really powerful, blah, 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 but, yeah, but like it I is just standard. Oh, it also better. controls the other ones if you're Sauron, but if it's you're just, Sauron. Okay. If you're Sauron, um, <laughs> you remember, no, it's not just invisible, man. Well, it, I mean, sorry, JK Rowling, but an object with a soul in it, sweetie, that's, that's Sauron's ring. <laughs> um, yeah, but what about eight of them? She's so active on social media, I'm going to get attacked. Yeah, dude. We,
0: this this is our first and last
1: episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, in all fairness, though, just briefly, respect the hell out of her. She's oh, done a God, wonderful yeah. job for herself. Ridiculously good author. I, I, she's also so sassy. Somebody said something like, oh, why are you talking about politics? She goes, because my ability to write novels does not impact my ability to think about other topics. Like, yes. yes! Something Shocks, dust, life. been fired. But anyway, with sounds ring and the other rings of power, they are the rings of power what they do doesn't matter they just give you they grant power power. i'm sure the silmarillians probably explain it because the silmarils do that oh i'm
0: sure there's law on it i'm sure there is an in-depth description of every inch of that
1: ring but it's not the point the point is it is an object to be desired and it is power and that power corrupts, and that can translate to a bunch of other things like when it comes to soft magic, sometimes it's hard to think of those systems because they're so poorly, they're not poorly defined, they're so non-defined, so undescript, either intentionally or unintentionally, that there are hard magic systems that are soft simply because of poor writing out there. But ones that are intentionally soft magic, they're not there to facilitate the story, and the story is not there to facilitate the magic, they are there... As another tool for the writer to use to create tension or alleviate tension where they need
0: to be. Well, again, like I said a bit earlier, one thing that does really get me is that soft magic, I know for me at least, I always view it as, well, no matter what kind of corner the writer puts themselves in, they can just magic their way out. Whereas with hard magic, you have to really break your own rules to, to magic your way out of a corner if you've put yourself purposely in a corner, it's like, right, well, we're in this, you know, house has all your magic bound. You can't use it. And this guy's about to shoot you in the face. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right. Unless you're just suddenly a, a karate expert, which I know in certain books, Scott Degree Pleasant,
1: they are. <laughs> um, to call Scott Degree a karate expert is such, such an, an understatement. Yeah. Such an understatement. Um, but you're, you're definitely right. And, and, I think that's where the pros and cons of soft magic really come into play. Yes. You need to use it properly. You can't give your main character that power unless your book is not about that, but about their struggle with that power and what it means. Great example, Dr. Manhattan. Yes. Can do anything and he eventually just stops caring. (laughs) There's a few scenes where. Because there's nothing even with his power, he can't make pants big enough to hold his giant blue dong. Not even though, for his size proportionate, it's below average.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hate to be, I'm saying it, everyone's thinking it.
1: (laughs) Yes, but I think that my, let's just not go there. Yeah, I feel like just taking a
0: nosedive (laughs) and avoid the joke that's right there.
1: (laughs) My my point is, um, in that case, you can give your main character, but the other times your wizard, your Gandalf, your whoever, your mysterious stranger that pops up with just sage advice at the right time that knows things they can't possibly know. Are all examples of soft magic used well, as long as they are removed far enough from the story to not fix every problem? A book series you haven't read that was suggested by a good friend of mine is The Sword of Truth.
0: I've heard of this, yes.
1: Uh, Wizard's First Rule, I think the book's called, the first one. There is a wizard, the, the great wizard, he's the strongest wizard there was, and blah, blah, blah. Merlin. Blah. Yeah, and he, he is there to help the person who's got the magic sword. but And the magic sword has its own vaguely defined abilities, but he can do a lot of stuff. He solves a lot of problems really early on, but that was more to show how powerful he is and then how much of a problem it is when he's not there. Yeah. And he can't just magically teleport to where they want to be, but he can summon fireballs and stop death and all these other wonderful things. And he can't bring back the dead. Those are the kind of ways to use your omnipotent wizard character correctly. And that is a very much a trope of soft magic. Yes. It's pitfalls. Like you said, it's flaws when you use it to just deus ex marketing your way. Solve all your problems without actually solving your problems. Yeah, exactly. And that's not to say that one is better than the other. I mean, I personally, as a writer, I find making hard magic systems really fun. Yeah. I don't know if we've, if we mentioned this earlier, Robert is
0: actually in the process of writing a novel. You know, you've written a few others before that are just kind of sitting in your desk.
1: Nothing yeah. that I'm happy with, but yeah. I, I have I'm, read
0: over them. They're actually pretty good. so oh, I'll, I'll pay him that. I'm only saying that because it's being recorded. <laughs> um, no, no, they are actually pretty good. Um, I'm very excited to see what this one's going to entail.
1: But the point is that Soft Magic, I've written some things with Soft Magic in them, and from the writer's perspective, it's kind of like when you know you need to exercise, and there's that beautiful cake in front of you because it's a lot easier to give in and eat the cake. You
0: lose you. that fight every time.
1: Yes, everyone
0: does. Yes, unless, uh, Maybe some of you out there don't, but I know we both do. Yeah,
1: uh, it's kind of like that where going and doing the exercise, putting in those hard yards, and making your you and by extension your characters work for it is definitely that hard magic style. Whereas giving into the easy way out, that's where soft magic becomes a problem when it's viewed as the easy way out. And from a reader's perspective, and I'm sure you'll agree and yeah. you expand on this a bit more, it feels really cheap when it's used that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the thing. Even with uh, Harry Potter, let's go. Yeah, I view that
0: as quite a, a soft magic purely because I'm sure if JK Rowling wants you could say, all right, yeah, by the way, you know, Professor McGonagall knows this spell that fixes this.
1: Well, she so, fell into that pothole with the time turners and then she immediately exactly. removed she them. She fixed it, though. That's the thing. She understood the problem. Exactly. And that is that is a good
0: sign of an excellent writer. Excellent writer. No one can falter at that at
1: all. The only thing is it does, if you view it as, like, oh, there's time turners and suddenly there's not, it feels a bit jarring.